0: This episode of No Meat Athlete Radio is brought to you by Hemp Daddies and their full-spectrum CBD products, created by a runner for runners. Learn more at hempdaddies.com and use code NOMEAT at checkout to save 10% off and free shipping on your first order. That's dot scom and use code NOMEAT. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio.
1: Matt, I don't know about you, but I am feeling super rested this morning. <laughs> Are
0: you? Yeah. It's a, a sore subject for me, Doug. Oh, a... yeah,
1: yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean <laughs> That's right. I didn't mean it like that. But, uh, you know, it's just such a snoozer of a Super Bowl last night that, you know, yeah, if, I just basically is... slept through the whole thing and, and feel... Relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know what? I watched the Super Bowl and I, I realized I don't care anymore when the Patriots win. I, like, they've made me stop hating them by winning so much, I guess. It's I don't mm. know what it is. It's not that I like them better. I just I just am tired of rooting against the loser, <laughs> of rooting against the team that wins and me being the loser. So yeah, I just don't right. care anymore. Well, I don't know. well, that's probably. I kind of enjoyed it though. I enjoyed watching the game. Did I you thought it was good? Okay. I kind of did. You know why? Because I was involved in a bunch of uh, Fanduel things uh, and uh, there you a go. pool with grid and all that. I didn't care about the outcome. I was just rooting for safeties and odd combinations of points to happen. <laughs>
1: okay. All right. Well, that's good. <laughs> Yeah, I should, have, I should have done that. I was actually, we were at a little Super Bowl gathering and um, there was a talk ahead of time of whether people wanted to do that. Not enough people wanted to chip in money. So. Nah,
0: it's hard to get that together on the fly.
1: Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. The best part was by far the uh, jackfruit fajitas.
0: I didn't see that. Oh, that was at the thing. Yeah, no, I at my party. At...
1: No, 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 My uh, Jack,
0: that does sound good.
1: Oh, it's delicious.
0: Was that made specifically for you or was it a vegan party?
1: It ended up being it ended up being almost entirely vegan. There was a there was a little bit of chicken for the chicken fajitas as well, but basically everything else, including all the appetizers. But it wasn't it wasn't intended to be that way.
0: They just accidentally used jackfruit instead of well, white no, white the
1: jackfruit was for for <laughs> for me and Katie, but <laughs> gotcha. but uh, everything else, like people just like made cauliflower buffalo wings that were vegan and um, vegan nachos and like all these different wow like it See just kind of people the just brought shame. I
0: know it was amazing it was great. That's really great. Mm-hmm. Well, good for them. Maybe, maybe they did it on purpose. Maybe the people hosting it put out a memo that said, "There's going to be vegans here, so please don't bring anything that would offend them." <laughs> yeah, right. <Okay. laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I... speaking of that stuff, I heard there was a. I saw a news thing saying that there was going to be a Carl's Junior ad, the first ever plant based burger advertised in the Super Bowl. Did you see that?
1: No, but we don't have Carl's yes, Juniors around us, so
0: no, we don't. I might don't. have
1: been a regional, but. Ad.
0: Oh yeah, maybe okay. I hadn't thought of that, but good point. Anyway, I think they. It sounds like they serve a, uh, a Beyond makes them, makes a burger for them. Oh really? For Carl's Junior that they serve. Yeah, and if you get it without the mayo and cheese, I think then then it becomes vegan. That is great. That's very. Yeah, cool. yeah. I mean, Charles that Carlos Junior seems like to me like the least likely place to serve the vegan burger. So I think it's a good sign that.
1: You know what? Who else serves the them. vegan burger? Who might be m- more least likely. Who? Is White Castle. They have, they have the Beyond or the Impossible oh, yeah. Burger Sliders, yeah.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's not as surprising, I guess, because they're a burger place, so you figure then mm. they got to but, come. Uh, but that also just seems like the type of place that would not do. <laughs> <Yeah>. But <laughs> you're right. Kind of place we so you're talk have like, vegan meat all the time. The
1: we do talk about vegan <laughs> meat all the we, last Last We're, time we, and we,
0: we Yeah, it, I don't know why. I, mean, I don't eat that much of it. I eat probably eat it once a month, mm. like a legit eating of it. Every now and then I'll use a little slice of the, of the ham slices or whatever they mm-hmm. or whatever they are called in uh, cooking, but like to actually eat it as far as that is my meal. I'd like, say once a month, and it's good. I love, love doing that once yeah. a month. Yeah. But
1: um, anyway, that's vegan. Meat. So I wanted to share something before we have a we have another great interview today uh, with Ocean Robbins that um that mm-hmm. I'm really excited about. But um, before that, I wanted to share a little. Uh, little bit of inspiration i got from our last interview guests
0: okay Hannah, and Derek Who from was? high carb yes. hannah mm-hmm. uh
1: so we have been we've been we've have a, we've had used a rain barrel to collect rain for our garden for the past okay. year or so we set that up last year and this year we mm-hmm. took the steps to hook it up to you know and i redid our our garage into oh, i didn't redo it we got our garage redone into my office and we put a new gutter so we ran the rain barrel into the gutter system only to find out that after the first uh maybe 20 minute rain the entire thing started filling up and overflowing because apparently they just collect a, a rain there's way more rain that you know that goes off <laughs> your roof than you think um <laughs> so then i got inspired i was like oh you should add a couple more barrels and then we just have like a big uh setup um you know, connect some barrels and, and then we have like a nice big setup for lots of things during the summer when there's a drought or something like that we just have a lot of water in reserve so uh-huh. when one overflows it overflows into the next one and so forth and then i was uh after the interview with derek and hannah i was checking out their youtube channel and they just posted a big video on their completely off-grid uh tiny house and uh-huh. they have a full-on rainwater graywater system that they use as their primary water source and it got me super inspired because we're going to be flipping the another room in this garage into like a with a put a bathroom in there and all that stuff like that got me super inspired to start running the rainwater in for the toilets and maybe even some sinks and using the whole like graywater system from the rain and it's all thanks to Derek and Hannah
0: look at that pays dividend hosting that. <laughs> that's right yeah no. so at the risk of sounding like i don't know what i'm talking about what is gray water or
1: okay or gray water is uh is not treated water but it's not sewage okay. water so it's stuff that you could uh use to flush toilets you could um you know i think that there's some sort of mini like minor filter thing that you used to like put in a sink that you would be just washing your hands or dishes or something like that but not drinking okay um, so it's not like, gotcha. it's not purified water, but it's not dirty water that you wouldn't want to touch.
0: I see. And it's just, it's just straight up rainwater or do you do something to it?
1: Um, for like toilets and like watering your garden and stuff like that, it's just straight up rainwater. But I think that, and I might be wrong with this, but I think that if you want to run it through like your shower or your sink, then you run it through some sort of filter.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Cool. I like that. Sounds like a nice Doug. Podcast. I know.
1: I'm really excited about it, <laughs> and, it and it plays right into my, uh, you know, my, the environmentalist of the of the podcast.
0: Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, good for you. That sounds like a nice, nice thing to work on. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> good. Well, I like to like to hear that. All right. What else, Doug? Uh, any new any new news to report? Hey, I have it. Guess I have an idea for a new segment that I oh, work. let's hear it. Yeah. Because we haven't done downward facing dog in a while. I, I would like to bring that back. Every every now and then I think of that name and I think I just wish we did more downward facing dogs. <laughs> I just gotta I gotta quit
1: complaining about companies. <laughs> it was just yeah, too easy to complain about do. companies.
0: I know. And I so I don't really know what you would do. I mean I guess you would just rant about something, but <laughs> yeah, if it's not always a big corporation, maybe it would be a little yeah. better. But right. anyway, um my new segment is Matt asks Doug a random running question. <laughs> And, and, the, and the reason the reason i want to do it is because i keep i'm as people probably know i'm starting to get back into running i'm thinking about running another ultra marathon this year i'm not quite sure that i want to sign up for a 100 yet just don't know if it's worth what goes into it um but i do think i'll probably do this 12 hour race and just see what happens there so i'm back into running and doing it with a sort of new context now because i have all this muay thai and martial arts stuff going on and also I'm trying to generally get into good shape so i'm doing lots of other workouts and running is just now a part of that instead of being my primary thing so i imagine as i am you know beginning to run again facing it from this new perspective that i will have lots of questions and i have one of them that i wanted to ask you so that i said hey we can we can do this every week if i if i have enough questions well
1: let's hear it i'm i'm i so you ready i'm excited you're on the spot too there's, there's
0: no this is there's no net here this no. is a your if only we could missed.
1: edit out this. If it turned out really bad.
0: <laughs> if only we didn't record these live and put them up exactly as they <laughs> as they're recorded every time. All right. My question is: I always have enjoyed speed work, yes. anything like that. Found found good value in mm-hmm. doing speed work, hill work, uh, just like that stuff. I've been getting a whole lot of that. These, you know, uh, it's like you know Tabata. Of course, you know Tabata, right? Tabata. No? Tabata training philosophy i don't know it's, it's where you do, you do 20 oh, seconds sure. on 10 yeah, seconds yeah, yeah, yeah. off yeah so we you do a whole chibata, lot of that like in chibata oh no not that i love ciabatta. <laughs> anyway <laughs> but <laughs> um <laughs> but anyway so we i do plenty of that in muay thai class lots of that or in the kickboxing fitness classes that the muay thai class uh-huh. offers and they're intense, and I I would say they are harder than any running workouts that I did, as far as just short term intensity, because they la- it's like a whole hour of doing these really hard things with not very long rests thrown in here and there, these little extra right. rests. But if I'm getting all that stuff, that all that you know anaerobic kind of workout happening, um, and all these interval training happening to my body, do I need to do that for running? And I know I, the value of that stuff is debated anyway for ultra running, but I'm trying to just all around be a good runner get into good running shape again. So if, if something is valuable for running, then I'm going to want to do it. But what I'm wondering is, can I do almost like a reverse run less, run faster where with run less, run faster. It was like, you do the workouts and you skip the right. easy runs. And then instead you just do sort of lighter, you know, uh, aerobic uh-huh. cross training during when you would otherwise run. Can I do the opposite of that where I'm getting all my workouts and hard things in not running and then just do, Easy runs and the occasional long run as my yeah. as my training, or will I will I end up paying? Well,
1: attention? I <laughs> two things come to mind, and they kind of c- counter each other. So, uh, the first okay. one is that if you're doing you know if you're doing muay thai and you're doing this really intense interval stuff like three or four times a week, mm-hmm. then then having the run be as like a an aerobic recovery run is probably a good idea, right? Because you don't want to mm-hmm. overdo it. you you need to allow yourself some break. So having your runs be this like aerobic, easy recovery type exercise, then, um, you know, I think that's a good thing at the same time. I don't care if you're doing really good stuff in the gym. If you're not actually firing your, your legs in a way, you know, if you're not using the exact muscles that you would be for running faster than and teaching your legs to turn over really quickly, then you're never going to get the speed that you would if you did some speed work. So even if you were having that really intense workout and even if you were building leg strength and things like that, you still need to do the turnover. You still need to do strides or do something that's like getting getting that Mm -hmm. motion, getting your body used to that motion so that you can know what it feels like to run fast again.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. Given though that I'm doing it where the only real race I have on the schedule is that tentative twelve-hour race, um, so i was never going to have mm-hmm. to run fast, right? So, which is why people debate that anyway, right? Whether you need speed work for ultra running, and I know that you think a right. little bit is good. What I'm wondering is, especially in this case, since I'm not training mm-hmm. for a five k, is it okay that all my my tough interval workouts aren't running? And I I kind of think they are.
2: It's my, it's my
0: <laughs> yeah, <habit>. I mean,
1: <laughs> I mean, right? It depends entirely on your goals, right? I mean, if if it's just to uh, you know run slow for a really long time then then yeah I don't think I think you're you're getting a well balanced you know I know your, your like main goal is to be in the fittest shape you've ever been and I think that you're getting a good balance of that between the Muay Thai and uh, slow running mm-hmm. Uh, but you know but I, right. kind of adding a little bit of intense, intensity creeping up towards your lactic threshold I think would be a good thing to do I don't think it would hurt I think it would be a good thing to do
0: Good. All right. Well, I don't mind. I like that. I like those kind of workouts. They're fun. Just wondering. Yeah, but see. you know, but I would just be careful because you don't want to. You know, yeah. if
1: you're doing Muay Thai four days a week and you're running twice a week, I, you wouldn't want the, both of those runs to be like really intense too.
0: Right. Right. Definitely not. Good. All right. <laughs> Appreciate it, Doug. Yeah.
1: Are you satisfied <laughs> enough? Can we leave this in?
0: <laughs> I am. I think we can. Think we can leave this and, one. Uh, but this will be back. This question. I like it.
1: Back. I like the segment. Sorry. Especially if we have some ciabatta bread, too.
0: <laughs> we should do that every time. <laughs> All right. Should we get should we set up yeah, our I interview and get should. to our I guest? It's, it's about time. Okay. So our guest today is Ocean Robbins. Uh, he is the what is he CEO, I guess, of Food Revolution Network, um, which is a big, I don't know, organization who committed to helping us eat better. And like, you know, like it's called, food revolution. They're trying to create a revolution in our food system, the way we eat, the way we think about food, everything. Uh, they are the opposite of Monsanto. That's how we can describe food revolution. <laughs> the opposite of Monsanto. Sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I think so. They're the enemy of Monsanto. So uh, they send a lot of emails out, all different kinds of content. They cover like a good amount of lifestyle things, but it's usually related to food and, uh, Ocean has introduced me to a whole lot of different ideas and things that I did not know about before. Um, he's the son of John Robbins, who people know as author of Diet for a New America. I think people still know him as that. I mean, that's, that book is old now, right? That was That's from 1985, maybe? Mid-80s? He probably says exactly the date in the interview, but I forgot. Um, but it's just such a classic, and he's such a pioneer of this plant-based movement that I feel like people still know that. I'm not sure if they do or not. But... Um, Anyway, his dad's work is very inspiring to me, as is Ocean's, and um, what he's. we had him on here to promote his, talk about his new book, which is called The 31 Day Food Revolution, uh, which I think is Ocean's first, like, published book that's not, like, a digital product or something, and uh, we've each had the chance to glance through it, each enjoyed lots and lots of it, we didn't each read the entire thing, but... Um, a good thing i think for for their mission it is exactly what what they need and it as i said as i mentioned this in the interview it really is a very very comprehensive looking manual for kind of like turning over turning your life lifestyle upside down if you're not yet eating well um doing natural things with your life <laughs> it's sort of a just a manual for doing that so i think i i think that is the book's value in place but i don't know any any different no. interpretation than no, that i
1: though? i uh You know, I I think it was, it came, it approached things in a different way that um, was refreshing. And it wasn't just about like, this is what you have to do, but it was like, here's how you can do it. And um, here's how you can do it to fit your needs.
0: Yes. And very actionable for for the person reading it to make changes. Cool. What else about Ocean? Um, Not much else. You may know his name because we always promote the Food Revolution Summit every year, which is just where they they interview like 30 or... Twenty-five or thirty plant-based people. It's it's the thing that got my dad to become plant-based. Uh, my wife and I always are into it. My mom's into it. So it just it just one it's just a very good force in the in the healthy eating world. So I'm always a fan of the Food Revolution Summit, and we will tell you about that when it comes up. I think it is in April, maybe each year, but around there. Um, yeah, that's it. Any any. Anything else? No no curse words in this interview, I don't think, Doug, right? We're I don't think so. <laughs>
1: no, I think it's a, I think it's a PG, maybe even a G-rated. Good. We talked I about fiber so. a little bit, so, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. pushing the boundaries a little bit. Okay, so let's get to Ocean Robbins, but before that, quickly, let's take a minute to thank our sponsor, Hemp Daddies. This episode of Nomade Athlete Radio is brought to you by Hemp Daddies and their full-spectrum CBD products, including tinctures, capsules, and a transdermal cream, which is great for sore muscles and chronic pain points.
1: Matt, as you know, we get a lot of questions for our Q&As and that type of thing, and one of the common ones is what we eat for post-run recovery. And, well, one of my go-tos has always been a giant smoothie, in part because I like to make it ahead of time so that when I get home, I'm not just, like, tempted to shove a bunch of chips or something in my mouth. Um, But my big recovery smoothie includes frozen fruit, a handful of spinach, a couple different types of nuts for protein and fat, and uh, chia seeds, flax seeds. And then for the past month or so, I have been putting in a few drops of Hemp Daddy's CBD oil to act as a natural anti-inflammatory. I got that idea after hearing Hemp Daddy's founder, Caleb, talk about it, along with a couple of my ultra-running buddies, um, how they use CBD for recovery. And let me say, I freaking love that smoothie. I throw that thing back right after I run, before my shower, and, you know, a little bit of rest or whatever, and then, I, you know, I'll have my bigger meal later on. But it is a great recovery smoothie, and I love the addition of the CBD.
0: All of Hemp Daddy's CBD is produced from USDA Organic Hemp and singularly sourced from a family-owned and operated farm in Longmont, Colorado. Help fight pain and inflammation, sleep better, and recover faster with Hemp Daddy's CBD products visit hempdaddies.com that's h e m p d a d d y s.com and use code no meat for 10% off your first order and free shipping that's hempdaddies.com and use code no meat at checkout
2: ocean how's it going it is going great and i'm so happy to be with you all right yeah we're
0: excited to have you uh, i assume the no meat Athlete audience knows your name pretty well because we uh, are always pretty active Participants in the uh, the Food Revolution Summit each year, which is as I always tell people, was one of my favorite events of the year. It's like our big health reset week uh, in my house, where we just listen to your interviews with all these different plant based and and some non plant plant based, but uh, all you know very healthy living luminaries and uh, always good. So appreciate that and everything else you do. Um, to get us started, we want to talk about your book, of course. But first, I just want to uh, hit the backstory because I I don't know that too many people associate your last name, Robbins, with uh, Baskin Robbins, the ice cream company. And that's uh, just an interesting story that I think is a, a really nice, uh, I don't know, demonstration of, of kind of how your food philosophy has been shaped. So can you tell us that quick backstory before I sh- we get into it?
2: I sure can. So yeah, as, as you are alluding, my grandpa, Irvin Robbins, founded a little ice cream company called Baskin Robbins. <laughs> and my dad, John, Grew up with 31 flavors of ice cream in the freezer and uh, with an ice cream cone-shaped swimming pool in the backyard. (laughs) He he was groomed from early childhood to one day join in running the company. He was um, mopping floors in the factory at the age of six. And um, by the uh, time he was in his early 20s, he was offered a chance to join in running it. And he said no. And he walked away from a path that was practically paved with gold as well as ice cream, to, as we jokingly say in our family, follow his own rocky road. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, you know, at the time, his uncle Bert Baskin, my grandpa's brother-in-law and business partner, was dying of heart disease. He'd already had two heart attacks. Uh, he ended up having a third that took his life at the age of 54. And... Um, You know, my dad took a look look at the family product and said, you know, I I don't want to spend my life selling a product that's going to contribute to more people being sick. So um, he ended up moving with my mom to a little island off the coast of Canada. They built a one room log cabin, grew most of their own food, lived very, very simply and um, practiced yoga and meditation for several hours a day. And they named their kid Ocean. That, of course, (laughs) would be me. And uh, in time... uh, Oh, by the way, they almost named me Kale. Um, <laughs> yeah, for real. No, no joke. Uh, <laughs> though I'm glad they took the conservative route when it came to naming their son. Um, but we did eat a lot of kale and cabbage and carrots and onions and broccoli and other veggies from the garden. And in time, we moved to California, and my dad ended up writing a best-selling book called Diet for a New America, as he exposed the modern industrialized food industry in which he had grown up. And uh, the media had a lot of fun with his story. They called him the rebel without a cone. Millions of people were inspired by his work and message, including, as fate would have it, my grandpa, Irvin Robbins, who wound up uh, at the age of 71 facing his own health crisis. He'd always eaten the standard American diet plus a double scoop of ice cream on top. And now he was facing the standard American diseases. He had heart disease, he had serious diabetes, and uh, his doctors told him he didn't have long to live unless he made some big changes. And his cardiologist gave him a copy of Guess What? Diet for New America, which my grandpa read. And he followed its (laughs) advice. He ended up slashing his meat consumption. He ate a lot more whole plant foods. He gave up sugar. He even gave up ice cream. And he got tremendous results. He ended up saving, um, pretty much saving his life. He got off all of his diabetes and blood pressure medications that he no longer needed. And uh, he lived nineteen more vibrant, healthy years. So we have seen in our family what happens when we go with the status quo, and we've seen what happens when we make a change. And uh, that's just a little backstory that uh, is part of what inspires me to carry on in the work that I do today.
0: I did not know the last part. I knew the rest of it. I didn't know that uh, that your grandfather actually ended up coming around. So that's that's. Really yeah, cool.
2: it's pretty cool.
0: Cool. So, um, all right. So a lot of people know this, that I got started with this whole diet, actually vegetarian first, but this was uh, 10 years ago now. Uh, and I was at a Tony Robbins event of all places. And then the last day was about his, his health approach. Um, and prior to that, I didn't really, I mean, this is one of the things where I read a book and just kind of, you know, you see different names and things. I had seen your dad's name when I had read Tony Robbins book. I forget if it was the giant within or unlimited power. Um, but so I think it's interesting that like, that's, you know, that, your dad is, in some way, kind of where I got started with eating this way because it was uh-huh. through Tony Robbins, uh, who was obviously very influenced by your dad. Um, and then I saw you got his endorsement on your on your book. You got a book from Tony did. Robbins. Which, for me, that would be like, uh, I'd retire then. I'd say, well, this my work is done. <laughs> I've, I've, achieved, <laughs> I've achieved what I need to. Um, how'd you get that? That's amazing.
2: Well, we go way back. Uh, you know, he was inspired by my dad's work, and that's part of what, um, what uh, you know, Um, one of the doors that opens to me is being the son of a successful author who's helped to change the world. Uh, Another person who was inspired by my dad's work was Paul McCartney, and we've stayed Mm -hmm. in touch with him, and he endorsed my brand new book, 31 Day Food Revolution, as well. And, um, you know, today's a really special day because we're just... Bringing it out into the world, and I am just thrilled after really decades of life experience and research that have gone into this to be able to finally share it. And you know, having Tony Robbins and Paul McCartney's endorsement, along with Dr. Dean Ornish and you know so many of the other giants and leaders in the plant-based movement, um, just means the world to me.
0: Yeah, so let's uh, let's switch gears and talk about the book directly for a few minutes. Uh, thirty-one Day Food Revolution. Why thirty-one days, Ocean? Uh, we, we talk a lot about habit change here. Arguing whether it's best to take small little steps uh, or whether to just go all at once, go for it, uh, so that you get the immediate results. And I don't know that we've arrived at the answer, but I'm just curious what went into your thinking when uh, when choosing to make this 31 days, and how how is that reflected in the book? I think it's, I think it's 31 chapters. Is that right?
2: Yeah, there are 31 chapters. Every chapter ends with action steps you can take that you can apply to immediately get results in your life. You know, because at the end of the day, cancer, heart disease type 2 diabetes, Alzheimer's, they do not care how many podcasts you listen to or how many books you read or how much you know, but they definitely care what you eat and how you live. And so I want to help people get results, as I know you do too, and that's what it's all about, right? So, um, so there are thirty-one chapters, and you know, people ask, is it because there's some magic to the number thirty-one? Is it because everything changes after a month? And there is a lot of research showing that any uh, habit takes about a month to enshrine and develop serious groups in your life. But honestly, I chose to have thirty-one chapters because uh, I'm saying that you know, 31 steps to health can bring you more pleasure and more satisfaction even than 31 flavors of ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. So, I mean, you know, aside from the 31 chapters and the
1: 31 kind of action steps, um, you know, they, like you mentioned, there are plenty of giants out there in the, vegan, in the plant-based community like Gregor and Furman and, and so on who already have books released. What makes yours, what makes this book uh, unique and how does it stand out from the other uh, plant-based diet books?
2: Well, uh, there are a couple things that make this unique, I would say. One is the, um, you know, the 31 chapter action step focus that's all looking at implementation. And the other is that there are four parts to 31 Day Food Revolution. Part one is detoxify. That's where we look at how you can get rid of the bad stuff, the unhealthy foods that could be making you sick. And also, not just foods, but also environmental factors like we look at water, we look at food storage containers, we look at cookware and all the toxins that you may be unconsciously exposing yourself and your family to and how you can get rid of them so you can be safe in your home. And then part two is nourish, and that's where we look at the superfoods, the real superfoods, not $30 a pound goji berries, but superfoods that are super because they can do the most good for the most people. And we look at the studies, over 10,000 studies have been published in peer-reviewed medical journals that give us an overwhelming body of evidence today about what's best for human beings. So we look at that and we find that things like mushrooms and greens and certain spices like turmeric and black pepper and cayenne peppers, uh, we find that um, there are some real superfoods, celery as well that you know fight cancer and boost your brain health and are just good for you in every possible way. And then um, part three is gather. I think this is uh, addressing one of the core problems so many people face. And one of the issues that a lot of diet and health books fail to address, which is that we are not just lone wolves. We are social creatures. And if you have a support mechanism in place, it gets infinitely easier to follow through on your life goals and commitments. When you're surrounded by a toxic food culture, it can be very difficult to sustain and follow through. So in Gather, we provide insights, tools and resources to really help you sustain your healthy eating lifestyle, and build friends and family that will support you along the way. It's, we talk about how to influence loved ones who may not get it, may, may not eat quite the way you do. And, um, and here's how to support them. And I share some hard-won wisdom on that front. <laughs> And then in part four, Transform, we look at how you can vote with your knife and fork, with your everyday choices, for a healthier planet, for a more socially just world where everybody, regardless of how much money they have or the color of their skin, can have healthy food for their families. And uh, it's, it, the, the spoiler alert here is that it's a heck of a lot easier to change the world than you probably ever imagined. <laughs> and it all starts with what you eat. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that, especially about about you know
1: building a community of people that support you. And those decisions, you know, when one question we get a lot, I at mean, athlete is, you know, I want to go down this route, but, um, you know, my family's not on board or my husband or wife aren't on board. Um, and I just, I don't feel like I can cook healthy foods when they want, you know, something else instead. Um, you right. know, do you have any, I guess like kind of, you know, without going too deep into what you share in, in the book, you know, do you have any immediate advice that you could share with those people
2: absolutely absolutely sure so here's a trick if you're wanting to influence people and share education with them if you give them a book or a dvd put a post-it note on the front i thought of you on page 61 or i thought of you at minute 16:13. i bet you your odds of them opening that book or putting that dvd in the dvd player just quintupled Because people want to know they'll go right to the page or right to the spot you mentioned. And if they find it interesting, they're hooked and they may just read the whole thing. So that's one simple little trick. Um, Another one is to always love people and respect them for who they are. Dr. Martin Luther King said, you have no moral authority with those who can feel your underlying contempt. So when you judge people, when you pathologize them, you lose moral standing in the relationship. And a lot of us plant-based eaters can definitely get that way sometimes. Where, you know, we we made you know feel very confident and very clear about the choices we make, and really, frankly, horrified once we know so much about the benefits of a plant-based diet, horrified by um, by the impact that our loved ones may be having on the planet, on animals, or even on their own health. We want to do everything we can to encourage them, to support them, to nudge them, to change them. And the challenge is that no one likes to have an ideology shoved down their throat. So we look at how you can respectfully and lovingly introduce people to your values and most of all, walk your talk, live it. And the most wonderful thing to hear is, wow, you look so great. You're so healthy. I want to be like you. What's your trick? <laughs> and then you can say, well, it's funny you asked. <laughs> so those openings are priceless and precious. You know, and coincidentally,
0: sometimes... I'm sorry, i sorry to talk over you. Um, coincidentally enough, my dad actually got, he went, when he decided to make this whole diet transition, which you may or may not know about, um, <clears throat> he did it when listening to a Food Revolution Summit interview between oh, your dad and, uh, and Joel Furman. And I think what's really a, a big part of this is, is actually what we were going to ask you next was about animal products. You don't actually say to to go cut out every single animal product from your diet. I mean, there's obviously the tone of shifting towards way more plants. Um, but I actually think that really helps a lot in in spreading this message and making it something that you can hand to somebody and say, like, here, check this out Uh just so that it's, I think, because when something is seen as, hey, this is them trying to push their their morals and things on me, that that you know immediately the the guard goes up and people tend not to listen. Um, and I think that happened for me with my family, honestly, for a long time. And then with this this particular interview between your dad and Joel Furman it was just so science based that it, it got through to my dad because it didn't really have anything any of that ethical component in there.
2: Um, yeah.
0: So what what went into that decision for you to to not not say you know cut out all animal foods.
2: Yeah, I decided to focus on being plant-powered because, honestly, I want to help as many animals as possible to avoid the suffering of factory farms. I want to help end heart attacks and cancer and diabetes and obesity. I want to help people be healthy and vibrant and thriving, and I want to help save our planet from the scourges of industrialized agriculture. And I think that the way I can be most strategic and effective in that is not by pushing vegan per se but by encouraging people to eat less animal products less sugar and processed junk and more whole plant foods from a purely health perspective there is little net difference between a diet that is one percent or five percent animal products and a diet that's zero percent animal products and uh you know i the average american is at 34 percent So I am pointing in a direction, and I'm saying, you know, I would rather get 100 people to go from 34% to 10% than get five people to go from 34% to zero, because at the end of the day, I think that's how we will have the greatest net impact, and I want to help people make the transition. And a lot of people will go to zero, and I think that's wonderful, and I celebrate that, and I talk about how to do that safely and effectively with supplements like Compliment to help guide there us is. along the way. And uh, so I think that's tremendously helpful. Um, but uh, you know, the reality is that we we know the blue zones are the places in the world where people are living the longest, healthiest lives. Dan Buettner documented them for National Geographic places where people typically live over 100 vibrantly and healthfully. And, you know, they're in Greece and Italy and Loma Linda, California, in Costa Rica, in Okinawa, Japan. These blue zones, uh, people eat varied diets, but they all get between 0 and 10% of calories from animal products. They don't eat hardly any sugar or processed junk and they eat lots of whole plant foods. In the United States, we're at 34% of calories from animal products and about 50% of calories from sugar, white flour, and other processed foods. So when you cut all that out and you base your diet around whole plant foods, you can eat a lot more like the Blue Zones people do, and you can get tremendous benefits.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Blue Zones. Uh, that is one of my favorite books, favorite concepts uh, in in the idea of healthy eating and healthy living. Um, it just, it's just for, for some reason, reading that for me was just so inspiring as like, this is, this is the lifestyle that... Uh, I want to move towards. What I'm wondering though is, you read something like that, and then it seems so. To me, it just seems so easy. It just seems. I mean, you know, hard by a lot of people's standards. I get that, um, but it just seems like there's a lot of room, little wiggle room in the blue zones. Um, so I'll read that, but then I'll see things from Gregor or Furman that that are somewhat strike me as more science based, and that's maybe not fair because blue zone certainly has its share of science and statistics in it. Um, and I'll, you know, go down a rabbit hole and I'll start reading articles and research about the effect of olive oil on your arteries. Is it good or bad? Uh, red wine, is it a good thing or bad thing? And, you know, some of these are Blue Zones foods and they have their place. But some of the, the you know, the really top people in the vegan movement or plant-based movement will say, no, you shouldn't have any oil. You shouldn't have any alcohol. Um, you mentioned superfoods earlier. There's all the different things out there. Keto. I mean, there's just so much information and different, yeah. you know, even all coming, from, it seems the same sort of general motivation, which is to get people healthy. Right. Um, and so, so much of it is different. There is certainly a lot of overlap. But I think of you as, this, with your email list especially, um, I just, you know, the emails you send to me are kind of like you you first filter out um, or filter through all this information and choose the best. But, what, like, what's your process? How do you make decisions when, you, when there's just so much information coming at us? How do you decide what is worthy of making it into uh, the 31-Day Food Revolution?
2: Well, so, you know, there, like as I mentioned, there have been over 10,000 studies published in peer-reviewed journals that I think together paint a pretty clear overall picture. You know, we could argue till the cows come home about some of the details that aren't fully settled yet. But serious researchers are not actually all that confused about the fundamental food that's optimal for human beings. There is a broad consensus that we need to eat more vegetables, that we need to eat more fiber, that we need to eat more whole plant foods, that legumes, beans in particular, can be a great source of protein and nourishment that's also ecologically sustainable. There is a broad understanding that we need to eat less sugar, less processed junk, and less industrialized meat products. Now, yes, there are, there are people who are pr- promoting the ketogenic diet right now, and that's getting a lot of steam, I personally think that this is going to be a fad that will die out just like Atkins did at some point. Um, it's, it's gone farther than I expected it to already, to be honest, because I think that this is a great way to lose weight quickly, but I think it's a terrible way to sustain your body healthfully for the long term. You need all the macronutrients, not just fat, if you're gonna survive and thrive for the long haul. So yes, keto is good for certain biomarkers. It doesn't starve cancer, by the way. It doesn't fight diabetes. It does reduce diabetes symptoms because you're not exposed to carbs. Now, that's kind of like saying that you're a good driver because you didn't get any tickets because you didn't go driving because you stayed home all year. Yes, you didn't get any tickets, but it didn't make you a better driver. The proof is in the pudding. Can you eat carbs and not have your blood sugar go crazy? That's the question. That's when you aren't diabetic. And keto doesn't help with that. Animal products in general don't help with that. What helps with that? is eating lots of vegetables and frankly a relatively low-fat diet seems to be best from a diabetes perspective so you know i think that that keto is getting a lot of attention i don't think it's going to stand the test of time if you are facing epilepsy would be the one exception epilepsy especially with children can be profoundly helped but unless you're in that unfortunate position There's not a whole lot to be said for it. Yes, it'll help you lose weight, so will methamphetamines, so will chemotherapy. That doesn't mean they're good for you. Keto is better than methamphetamines or chemotherapy for your health, but I don't think it's an optimal way to sustain your body long term. There are so many nutrients we need and one of them is fiber. It's very difficult to get enough fiber on a ketogenic diet. Fiber is what feeds the good bacteria in your gut. They need it to survive and thrive we talk so much about the microbiome right now. Less than 5% of the American population gets enough fiber. There's no fiber in any animal products or any oils. So guess what? What is keto based around? Animal products and oils. Very hard to get enough fiber that way. So I don't think it's a good way to go. But I do think we know a lot. And I think there's something of a consensus now.
1: Yeah. So you you just mentioned um, a number of kind of food categories that, that you've you think people should focus on, you know, uh, and to get the fiber and get the micronutrients. We love, we love like Dr. Greger's daily dozen. Matt has his uh, list of seven foods that he likes to eat every day. Uh, Are there any sort of, um, do you have foods that you try to hit every single day? uh, And, and, you know, maybe are there any that that people don't realize are actually pretty good for you?
2: Totally. So some of my favorite, I mean, greens of all kinds, mushrooms, mm. just so good for you. No, there was a study done. Researchers at University of Perth in Western Australia studied 2,000 women, half of whom had previously had breast cancer, half of whom had not. And they, um, they found that those who ate mushrooms, uh, but the equivalent of about a third an ounce of mushrooms a day, average, had 64% drop in risk of breast cancer death. When those same women also drank green tea, their risk of breast cancer death dropped by 89%. These are big numbers. So since I heard that, I try to eat mushrooms and green tea pretty darn often. I'm not at high risk for breast cancer, but I figure what's good for breast cancer is probably good for other stuff too. And indeed, mushrooms and green tea both show anti-cancer effects against many forms of cancer. uh, another uh, a couple of superfoods that may surprise you. One is ch- um, coffee, mm. uh, as well as mm. green tea. Now I know that's <laughs> controversial. We live in a hyper-stressed-out society. People are always buzzing, and we are all stressed, and we need to calm down and develop inner peace. And people might be thinking I'm crazy by promoting coffee, but I'm just been talking about the studies here. Um, there are a lot of studies showing that people who drink coffee regularly. Uh, are generally going to live longer. They're going to have better brain health, uh, and they're actually going to have um, less rates of obesity and heart disease. It's it's remarkable. So um, you know, does that mean coffee's for everybody? Of course not. There are some people who get super buzzed and wired by it and don't do well with it. But for a lot of people, it can be extremely beneficial. Uh, And so can green tea and black tea, and if you're bothered by the caffeine, you can go decaf and you'll get about three-quarters of the antioxidants that are in uh, the original. So not quite as good, but close, and Swiss water process is the best decaffeination method from a health and safety perspective. Uh, Chocolate's another superfood that's been kind of demonized. Now let me be clear that both coffee and chocolate are no-health food if you have them with a ton of sugar and milk um but if you're drinking you know coffee more black or with some you know some soy milk or something in there if you're having your chocolate dark say at least 70 percent cocoa preferably fair trade and organic then you're doing something that you don't have to feel guilty about it actually might be good for you well
0: ocean uh you mentioned celery in the book and i honestly think you were the first person who i've Ever been told that celery is uh, is like a, a food actually worth building in your diet. I've heard of it as the the negative calorie food that if you're trying to lose weight, you burn
2: <laughs> more calories eating it than but that's all that's the only good I've ever heard about celery. I know it tastes good. I love it. Yeah. Uh, what, what's good about it? Oh my goodness. Celery is amazing for helping to fight hmm. cancer. This is just uh, this is just extraordinary, really. Um it's uh, it's a superfood of sorts. Now I know that that might sound strange. You're right. It's often used for weight loss. It's mostly water, right? So what the heck could be so great about celery? Well, um, celery has tremendous anti-cancer properties. And there are studies demonstrating people who eat celery regularly have lower rates of many different forms of cancer, uh, prostate cancer included. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan. You can juice it. You can chop it. You can... Uh, you can have it with ants on a log where you, you smear it with peanut butter and stick a few raisins in there. Uh, that's one of my favorite ways to eat it. Uh, but, yeah, celery is pretty good for you. And it's a lot of kids like it too. Some people don't like the strings, and you can actually de string it just by kind of pulling, uh, you know, snap off the end and then pull those strings along, and then it gets a lot more pleasant for some people um, when they do that. But, yeah, well, I love I am, celery. I am thrilled to hear that because so the ants on a log strings aren't where all the vitamins, are are. They
1: absolute favorite snacks of all time. <laughs>
2: Nice. (laughs) and there's some other other good snacks too by the way I was amazed uh, by how healthy nuts are Uh, even this is stunning they're even good for weight loss who would (laughs) have thought it Uh, studies show that people eating more nuts and seeds uh, tend to be uh, more lean Uh, I don't know quite how that works because they're obviously very high in calories but it is true Um, and um, so yeah uh there and the other good snacks are berries and fruit by the way uh berries are incredibly good for you blueberries uh people who eat more blueberries have two or three more years of healthy brain function
0: nice wow and that's i think that's what you get from eating nuts too right two more years so that
2: if you uh yeah eat and nuts that, and blueberries you get two more healthy and ele- 11 11 years from eating greens wow okay A study done by researchers at rush university in chicago found that the people, they they studied 81 year olds, 81 and up, and uh, they found that those who ate the most greens had 11 more years of healthy brain function on average. So yeah, put all that together. You you do your nuts, you do your greens, you do your blueberries, you avoid your processed meats and your red meats and your animal products and your sugars that are associated with deteriorating brain function, and who knows? How long you could last?
0: <laughs> I, I've been trying to tell Doug that for years, Ocean. I've been telling him we can be 500. <laughs> he's he's a uh, he doubts me.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I have I don't know if, I don't know about 500, <laughs> maybe, but uh, but I do think that uh, that we can add a lot. And and here's the other fun part. It's not just in my view about adding years to life. It's about adding life to years. It's about loving your life and having a life you love. And uh, you know just really vibrant joyous inhabitation of your days you know which is obviously what i love about no meat athlete because you all are looking at how we can thrive and perform at our peak even as we're also you know radiantly um healthy and we're lasting a good long time and fighting disease yeah all right so i'd like to shift the gears a little bit away from uh
1: superfoods Uh, and you know one thing that you you talk a lot about both in your emails, but also in this book, as well as, is kind of the the problems with the food system, and I think that that um, you know, the, your interest in that goes all the way back from, to you know your father's interest in it. But um, you know, there are a lot of problems. We hear a lot of, about the problems uh, with the food system and healthcare and how yeah. they run so deep. But you know, what what gives you hope about where we're going right now in the world?
2: Uh, oh, so much gives me hope right now. I mean, we. Um... We are part of a movement that is shifting the course of history. As bad as things are, as toxic as our food system has become, that's how much better they can get with a change. So it's really good news. And if you've eaten not the best in your life, then you know what? You have the most to gain from making a change and putting this all into action. Uh, Right now, we are shifting the course of history. We have, in the last generation... We have uh, seen a five fold increase in the number of farmers' markets in the United States, a four fold increase in the sales of foods that are grown organically. We've seen about a four fold increase in the so called natural foods sector. I know that's a little hard to define, but it is a more than $100 billion industry now. We've seen Non-GMO certified foods go from nothing to $27 billion in sales in just the last seven years. Number of community-supported agriculture programs where farms are providing food directly to people has gone uh, increased fourfold, there are over 12,000 of them in the United States. Community gardens are skyrocketing, Uh, school lunch programs have gotten somewhat healthier. We've got a ways to go, but there's been some progress. And uh, there's even talk that sometime soon doctors might learn about nutrition <laughs> in medical school. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think one of the cool things, Ocean, is that is that it seems that your
0: focus really is on starting with the individual because it, it, it can be overwhelming. I personally, even as someone who's in this in this movement, um, I just lo- when I read books about the problem, like T. Colin Campbell's book, Whole, was one of them. That it just depressed me how deep the problems go. Uh, but I really, really like that your message is about uh, starting with yourself, starting with the individual, and you know, making actionable, small, little actionable steps, and, uh, and with your start form. making changes. I—that's yeah, right. Go. Doug's <laughs> big on voting as well. He's our—he's our environmental correspondent, our political guy. <laughs> all these guys. Um, but Ocean, I want to. So as I as I tend to do, I want to bring this back to Tony Robbins, of course. Uh, when I when I got. Started with this whole thing. It was, I said I was at his program the last day. It was this laundry list of stuff that I came home with that I was going to do, which was included not just changing my food, but like replace the water filters in my shower, which I actually never did, but uh, just tons of different things that this this healthy lifestyle thing reaches so far. Um, It all does seem, I mean, it seems like food is the the big lever for it, but even within food, there's so much you can do. You talk about um, kind of detoxifying your kitchen, you know, your food storage, uh, non-stick skillets, all that kind of stuff. I mean, th- th- it goes more than just our food. Sure. Um, and what I mentioned to Doug before we started this interview was that just leading through your book, uh, The 31-Day Food Revolution, it just seemed like a really, really comprehensive like kind of manual of all of this stuff. And I mean, there's so much, so many, you mentioned the four big sections, but there are kind of just so many different arms and ways you can go with this, and, and in some ways need to go with this Yeah. Um, as an individual who's trying to do it. so. I'm going to give you the hard question. If, if there was just one action that someone's going to take to do this, like today they're going to start doing something, uh, where do you begin? We don't have 31 days. We just have one day. What, what do we sure. do on day one?
2: Well, the reality is that if you want to get from point A to point B, you kind of need a map. You kind of need to know where you are and where you want to go, and then you can figure out how to get there, right? And we're all starting from different places. So uh, honestly, my first step is look at what your vision is. What's your, what are your values? What do you want to be eating more of or less of in your life? Where are you now? Where are you falling short? Where are you living up to those goals? And then take a step, any step, to bridge the gap. And there are so many steps you can take, depending on where you are. So you could decide to eliminate the three worst offenders. The foods in your kitchen that, um, or the or the restaurants you're eating out that you know aren't good for you. Say, no, I'm not going to do that. You could decide to, you know, look at where you slip or fall down and come up with a strategy. Maybe it's. You know, late at night when you have cookie binges after a long day of work. Maybe it's uh, coming home on Wednesdays because you have an extra long day and you, uh, you know, you stop it, you know, somewhere you shouldn't maybe, you know, on the way home. You know, maybe it's when the relatives come over and all all healthy eating goes out the window. Whatever it is, you know, we all have our spots. So identify the weakest link in your food chain and then come up with a strategy for making it stronger because a train, a chain is as strong as its weakest link. So see if you can clarify where your weakest links are, and then uh, and then bridge that gap. I like it. I think that is such good advice.
0: That uh, you know, so many people get overwhelmed, and it's and it's eventually don't take any action because of the overwhelm. And I get it. I've been there. Um, so I think I think the idea that it almost doesn't matter which step you take, it matters that you take a step uh, because that leads to the next one and the next one and the next one. Yeah. And
2: uh, and hopefully at least thirty one of them. It so does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, apathy is the thief of destiny. There you go. So I say, let's let's do this. Let's put it into action and let's get results. And then you know what? And a funny thing happens when you are in true to your own conscience, you actually help to shift the collective conscience. You help to inspire other people. Leadership, I think, is being true to who you are, standing for you, who you are, which helps other people to stand for who they are. When you live in integrity with your values, the whole world shifts in a healthier and more constructive direction.
0: Love it. 31 Day Food Revolution is out today. It is in bookstores, Amazon. Ocean, where's the very best place they can go to learn more or pick up a copy?
2: Well, the absolute best place is a bookstore because you know what? When you buy it from a bookstore, you help encourage them to stock it, and then they will order more, and before (laughs) long, it'll become a national bestseller. Uh, But the other best place to get it is anywhere you like that helps you access this information easily, swiftly, and conveniently. And you can get it at 31dayfoodrevolution.com. Again, that's the number 31dayfoodrevolution.com directly from us and get some fabulous bonuses along with it. I wrote this book to put the power in your hands where it belongs so that you can create the choices and the changes you want in your life and in your world. So I hope you put it to use. I hope it empowers you and supports you and inspires you and galvanizes you. And I hope you share it with everyone you love.
0: Awesome. Ocean Robbins, thank you very much for the work you do with the Food Revolution Network, uh, for joining us here on this podcast, and for writing this great book and spreading this message in the world. We appreciate it. Thank
2: you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. All right.
0: Talk to you soon.